Blog Talk Radio. Hi, this is Russ Terry, founder and CEO of Life Coach Radio Network. Today's sponsor is Audible.com, a leading provider of spoken audio entertainment and information. Listen to audiobooks whenever and wherever you want. Get a free audiobook when you sign up for a 30-day free trial at audibletrial.com slash lifecoachradio. That's audibletrial.com slash lifecoachradio. And now, here's today's show. Good afternoon, everyone, and welcome to Making Inspired Choices with Coach Linda. I am your host, Linda Stevens-Jones. I am a certified Christian life coach, and it's wonderful that you're here with me today. To all of our first-time listeners, welcome to the show, and thank you for tuning in. And to those of you who are listening to this episode as a replay or an iTunes download, I appreciate your joining me. First, I want to give a big old shout-out and thanks to my last guest, Ms. Tilly Blanding, who helped me to extend the celebration of our mothers. She is a mom, a woman of great faith, a civil rights activist, and someone who so generously gives her gifts and talents, serving and making a difference in the lives of others. If you missed that episode, please go back to my Facebook homepage so you can download and listen to a very inspiring uh, interview. For today's show, we're talking about vision. What vision do you hold for your life? What pictures come to mind when you think of your life today? Are the pictures what you always wanted or imagined? If not, how do you want your life to be different than it is today? That's what we want to talk about for a few minutes. To have a certain kind of life and a way of living, it takes your setting the picture in your mind and heart and then holding a picture that is so clear that you're led to take action to make that vision come to life. And by the way, folks, my comments today are for every listener, no matter what age, what season, what stage you are in life. We all need to create and hold a vision that we adapt as needed over our entire lifetimes. Not just to a certain marker in life. For example, (laughs) you may have had a vision of finishing college and establishing your career or of having a family, or your vision may have been just getting your children grown up and through college. If you successfully accomplished your earlier vision, you still need a vision after those milestones are reached. Now what? As a life coach, I often work with folks in the now what stage. (laughs) After they've after they've accomplished or experienced some of their major goals and they don't have a vision for the next chapter of their lives. I help individuals to discover
discover what to do with their unique God-given combination of strengths, gifts, values, and passions. And my emphasis is God-given. We're all made up uniquely. And my view is if you're still waking up, you still need a vision for your life. (laughs) And that vision should capture your dreams and all of the major facets of your life, your relationships, your health, your spirituality, your career and finances, and your personal interests slash growth. So why is it important to have a vision for every season of your life? I'm glad you asked. (laughs) Without a vision, your life can begin to drift and have less purpose, a feeling of wasting time or spending time that is not fulfilling. But with a vision, you will stay in touch with your heart's desire. And as I mentioned, you will be compelled to turn the vision into goals and actions until it becomes reality. Does that make sense? So I want to encourage you to carve out some time to assess what vision do you hold for your life. If you find you don't have a vision, I suggest you be prayerful. Consider the things you love. Consider your makeup. Again, your strengths, your gifts, your values, and your passions. What is truly important to you? And then design a vision for your relationships, your health, your spirituality, your career and finances, and your personal interests or your personal growth. I have a few questions to help you get started or maybe to help you fine-tune your vision to make it more compelling, to make the picture even clearer. Okay. Question number one is, what kind of a lifestyle have you dreamed of in the past that you laid aside as impractical? There may be some clues in there that about what really matters to you. What dream do you have inside that you're afraid to voice? Maybe for fear that you'll be misunderstood or look presumptuous or that you won't be able to do it. What are you dreaming about that you really want, believe, but you don't know for sure if you can do it? Here's another thought. What fun experiences do you want to have in your life? What is an area of helping others that you really like to pursue but you've put off? What skills do you want to master? One of my most important questions is, and this takes getting quiet and really thinking about it, What do you feel the Holy Spirit nudging you to do? 
Ultimately, listeners, these questions are about this. What story do you want your life to tell? I'll ask that one again. What story do you want your life to tell? I hope these questions help you to connect to a vision for your life. I'll post these same questions over on the Making Inspired Choices Facebook page so you can jot them down and ponder them as you're considering the vision you hold for your life, okay? I believe my guest today is someone who holds a clear and bright vision for his life, and I'm sure his personal insights will give us some ideas to consider on creating a vision. So get ready to share your thoughts with us after my interview. And now, let me introduce my special guest, Mr. Justin Fairfax. Justin and his family have lived the American dream, and he is passionate about ensuring that every Virginia family and child is given the same opportunity to succeed. Justin has worked in the legislative, executive, and judicial branches of government, developing a keen insight into how to improve the lives of citizens through public service. Justin is currently a litigator at a prestigious national law firm in one of their Fairfax County, Virginia offices. Previously, he was an assistant U.S. attorney for a division of Virginia's Major Crimes and Narcotics Unit, where he was appointed Deputy Coordinator of the Northern Virginia Human Trafficking Task Force. In 2014, Justin served as co-chair of Virginia Senator Mark Warner's successful re-election campaign. In 2013, he was a candidate for Attorney General of the Commonwealth of Virginia, earning the endorsement of the Washington Post and over 48% of the statewide primary vote. In 2013, Justin received the National Bar Association's Nation's Best Advocates Award, which recognizes 40 top attorneys nationwide under the age of 40. Justin earned his Juris Doctorate at Columbia Law School where he was selected for the Columbia Law Review. He also graduated from Duke University's Sanford School of Public Policy, where he was selected as the class graduation speaker. Justin went on to serve a three-year term on the Duke University Board of Trustees and is currently in his third term on the Board of Visitors of the Sanford School of Public Policy. Justin is married to Dr. Serena Fairfax, DDS, and they have two children, Cameron and Karis. Ladies and gentlemen, it is an honor to welcome my guest, Mr. Justin Fairfax, to the show. Justin, thank you for being my guest today. <laughs> Linda, thank you so much for having me on, and thank you for that very, very warm and generous introduction. Well, I know your insights are going to give our listeners a lot of inspiration. So let's get started. Right. I've shared some of your bio with the audience, 
um, yes. which is very impressive. <laughs> very kind. Thank you. <laughs> what is something I didn't mention that you'd like our audience to know about you? Yes. Well, again, you were very generous in, in mentioning, uh, you know, many of, of the things I've been very fortunate to have experienced and, and done over my life and, and career. Uh, but the one thing I think I would add that's essential to all of that is that I didn't accomplish any of those things by myself. Uh, and I think the thing that I'd love to mention is the fact that it took, you know, countless other people, uh, you know, caring about me, praying for me, sacrificing for me along the way, and believing uh, that these things were possible uh, for me to get anywhere close to uh, where I have been able to get to. And so um, it really, I just want to give thanks and, and honor and gratitude to all those people, um, names you wouldn't know and names you, you know, never would have heard of, but they have been essential in my journey. And, mm-hmm. and they are the people who inspire me as I go forward to, to pay that forward to others. Oh, awesome. Thank you for that. Um, as you know, our topic today is about vision. I've talked a bit with the audience about the value of creating a clear and compelling vision that moves them to action. You state in your bio that you and your family have lived the American dream. I'd love for you to talk a bit about where vision came into play with what your life is today and how you designed the vision that you hold for your life. Absolutely. I'm uh, very happy to talk about that. Uh, so, uh, you know, my family also, we uh, yeah, grew up uh, in Christian faith, uh, grew up Catholic. Uh, my wife is Baptist, and, and so we are very sort of firm believers in, uh, in faith uh, and in the ability uh, of vision to provide a you know, different future and a better future uh, for us individually, but also uh, for our community at large. Uh, and, and one of the scriptures that we uh, grew up with was uh, Proverbs 29:18, uh, which I, I'm sure you know very well, which says, you know, where there is no vision, the people perish. Uh, and yeah. so my family has always taught us, and, and our faith has always taught us, that vision uh, is not just an important thing when you talk about you know, careers and service, but really vision is essential to life. Uh, mm-hmm. Because without it, uh, you know, as the, as the Bible teaches, people uh, the people perish, and so with it, uh, conversely, the people live and they thrive. And so we are firm believers that uh, you have to set out a vision uh, for your life, for your family, for your communities, uh, in order to breathe life uh, into the work that you do every day. Uh, is the thing that takes us from where we started, uh, and, and in my case, you know, on an, an incredibly improbable journey. Uh, throughout my life, uh, where uh, so that you, you know a little of my background uh, that you stated earlier. Um, you know, I'm the youngest of four children. I uh, was raised by a really phenomenal uh, single mother, you know, and primarily, uh, and also by my dad, who was a wonderful man as well. Loved them both. Uh, mm-hmm. They divorced when I was very young, uh, and so and it was also raised by my maternal grandparents. Uh, and we were raised mm-hmm. in inner city Washington, D.C., the mid-1980s was a very, very difficult uh, time in the city's history. A lot of gangs, guns, drugs, and violence. And uh, and if you looked at the circumstance where, where we were raised as a you know, five-, six-year-old kid in my case, uh, in that environment, you never, I think, most people would not have projected out uh, that I would you know have the opportunity that I've had now. But, again, that is a product of vision. 
Uh, and again, not just my vision, uh, but really the vision that other people had for me. Uh, and so that vision uh, has breathed life into my own life, into my own experience, and, and it's something that uh, it motivates me and compels me to be involved in service to make sure that other people have that exact same chance. Wow. That that really paints a, quite a picture that uh, – you know, your life could have clearly uh, gone a different route with uh, right. upbringing with a lot of risk factors. Um, Absolutely. How did Absolutely. you, uh, at what point would you say you began to, you know, see a shape to a vision and for your future? How old would you say you were? <laughs> yes. Uh, well, <laughs> You know, it's, it's interesting. Uh, I, yeah, I think it started a, a while back. And w- one thing, I, uh, just a little fun fact, I was talking to my kids. Actually, I, I'm, I'm younger, uh, and people always remark about, oh, you're going to be 37 years old. But I remind everybody, I skipped the third grade. So, <laughs> so I'm not as young as I am. And any time my wife uh, says I've done something wrong, I say, honey, I, I would have learned that in third grade, but I didn't go. So, <laughs> so my apologies, and, and I'll get it right next time. But, uh, but I was oh, thinking that's <laughs> uh, and so I, I will say, though, it started fairly early um, in life in, in terms of having a vision for the future, uh, in part because I had some really wonderful role models. Um, as I mentioned, you know, my, my parents, uh, you know, my, my mom certainly uh, in particular, who I spent a ton of time with uh, talking to her, seeing sort of the fight that she had. Uh, to persevere, to, you know, raise four kids. And, you know, this is a woman, and, and again, with, with the help of my dad and my grandparents and others, uh, you know, they put four children through college and two through law school, um, you know. And, and, again, in that kind of circumstance, you know, it might have been a, a, a miracle to have one of us go. Uh, but, you know, I saw the grit that she showed, the vision that she had, again, not only for her life but for ours. Uh, and the work she put in, uh, they put in every day to make it a reality. Um, so I, I got to see that as a child. I kind of soaked that up. Um, I also, mm-hmm. uh, you know, my, my, my grandparents and my, my maternal grandfather in particular, uh, he they, they were all incredibly bright, really smart, uh, graduates of Howard University. Uh, and he uh, worked for the post office for nearly 45 years. Uh, and my grandmother mm-hmm. was a nurse at Friedman's Hospital at Howard University uh, for nearly that same amount of time. Uh, and I saw the care they treated uh, other people with. I saw the care they took of their community. Um, we literally used to sit at my grandfather's knee and he read the Washington Post uh, growing up. And he would quiz us. It was myself, not only my siblings, but we have great cousins who are really like siblings to us. Um, and he would quiz us about the issues of the day. You know, what would you do about this problem? How would you solve this? Or how would you help this person? And he wouldn't, ex- he wouldn't accept, you know, sort of a, a generic answer. You really had to do some critical thinking. And, and, uh, and so that was really my first exposure, you know, to public policy, to community <laughs> service. And, and uh, that carried forward to my life. And, and unfortunately, uh, you know, they have, have passed away. Uh, but I was so proud, uh, as you mentioned, the bio when I ran for attorney general. Uh, not only did we win, you know, nearly 49 percent of the statewide vote, but uh, it was endorsed by the Washington Post in that race. And uh, I couldn't, I couldn't help but smile, thinking about you know being a five or six year old kid reading the Washington Post, you know, with my grandfather, and uh, and how he would love that his grandson grew up and was endorsed by the Washington Post uh, that he used to read every day. So, um, so you know, I, I've just had these incredible figures in my life, and uh, and I, I give them all the credit in the world. Wow. Thank you, Justin. That That is uh, 
That's quite a legacy. That's quite a legacy. <laughs> Thank you very much. Um, your career has been quite successful in the public and private sector. Um, how much would you say of the life that you're leading today matches up with what you imagined when you were younger? Yes. Uh, you know, I, I would say it's, it, it actually uh, is, is, is right sort of in line in many ways with what I had hoped uh, to be able to accomplish. So I thought I wanted to be a lawyer from a very young age. Uh, although my really? rationale for becoming a lawyer, you know, actually changed over time uh, and matured. So when I was really young, uh, you know, I thought that, you know, being a lawyer meant, you know, just making a lot of money and, uh, you know, kind of, you know, wowing everyone in court and then, you know, going home, having a big house and a nice car and, and that sort of thing. But as I, as I grew up and, and, and talked with, you know, mentors along the way and, and learned about really the power that you can have as an advocate for other people um, with, with a law degree and in the, with a career in the law, um, I, I really developed this passion early on um, to become a lawyer so that I could fight for other people um, and give them the same sort of opportunities that I had. So it's part, a large reason why I became a federal prosecutor, uh, as you mentioned, and I worked in the Major Crimes and Narcotics Unit uh, where we focused on uh, gangs, guns, drugs, and violence, uh, is because I grew up in an environment with gangs, guns, drugs, mm-hmm. and violence. I wanted to make sure the kids who were growing up uh, later in life you know, had safer communities, uh, that they could walk mm-hmm. the streets, they could go to school, they can go to enrichment programs and, and not be concerned uh, that they would face gun violence or gang activity um, or human trafficking. Uh, and so mm-hmm. that's the passion that, that, that drove me uh, to, to uh, pursue that particular part of my career. Um, I will say in some ways, uh, you know, even my own vision and, and hopes and expectations have been completely, um, you know, blown away uh, by, you know, what the Lord has provided for me. So, you know, I've had, you know, a phenomenal wife, uh, Dr. Serena Fairbanks, you mentioned, uh, who I love very dearly and uh, could not have imagined, you know, a better partner and uh, someone to be, you know, mother of my children and a brilliant dentist, a brilliant professional in her own right. And uh, our children are just spectacularly wonderful. Um and I love them very much. That I mean, I don't get on my nerves <laughs> every now and again. I, mean, they don't, I don't get on their nerves. I'm sure I get on their nerves more and more than they get on mine. But, but uh, you know, we love them, and it's just this unconditional love. So, um, And then the friends and the family that I have been fortunate to, um, you know, get to know and meet. Uh, as, as I like to say, you know, you're born with some family, and then you meet the rest along the way. Um, and so mm-hmm. along my journey, I've gotten to meet some incredible people who I really consider to be family, um, and they have you know, not only taken care of me, but of my, my own family, and uh, we've developed these bonds. And, and they have been people of incredible integrity who share a similar vision uh, about providing a better life for other people. Uh, and so in, in that way, you know, there are many parts of, of my vision, I think, as a child that have played out and, and others that have even exceeded my wildest expectations. And despite, you know, you have ups and downs in life, um, but mm-hmm. I, I have to say we are incredibly, incredibly blessed throughout and just so grateful for everything that we've been given. Wow. You know, I I believe in the power of vision casting. I really do. Absolutely. What you're describing, um, I hope our listeners are getting, you know, how powerful it is to to hold a really big uh, positive vision for your life. And let me just ask, as I as I said to the audience earlier, and and as you said, 
your the things that have happened have even exceeded your your vision or your expectations. Yes. Yep. Let me ask this. Have you had to adapt your vision as you've gone along? You know, have you kind of stuck to one picture that you had at one season of life, or have you adapted it? Yeah, that's a that's a great question. Um, and I, I would say certainly I've, I've had to adapt uh, pieces of it um, uh, mm-hmm. because, uh, you know, as, as we've uh, discussed, you know, you, you cannot predict what happens in life. Uh, there are many things mm-hmm. that are Sort of, uh, you know, out of your control and unpredictable, and and so you know maybe your timing doesn't line up uh, with exactly the way things will play out. Uh, as you mentioned, uh, you know, I ran for Attorney General of Virginia uh, in 2013, and and uh, you know really was was blessed and very fortunate to uh, almost have won. We came very uh, close to winning the nomination in that race, and we got nearly 49 percent of the vote statewide. Uh, and mm-hmm. so, you know, we were pushing hard. I, you know, firmly believed that we could win and would do a lot of good in that position. Uh, but mm-hmm. that was not in the cards. And so, you know, we yeah. made significant sacrifices to, to make that run. I actually left my position as, a, as an assistant United States attorney uh, and, and essentially mm-hmm. took the care off. Uh, and, and really, as we like to say in my house, you know, we, we walk by faith and not by sight because uh, mm-hmm. when I started that race, many people said, well, you know, you've never run for political office before. At that point, I was 33 years old, and they <laughs> say, you know, mm-hmm. you're, you're talking about running. Virginia's a big state. Uh, you know, and you have to get around it. And I said that, mm-hmm. you know, we believe that, you know, we not only are we prepared, but we have the right vision and the right set of priorities. And I think that people will, um, you know, will hopefully agree with that vision. And and they really did. I mean, it really caught fire. Mm-hmm. Uh, but it, we came up just, you know, about two percentage points short. And uh, and so yeah. at that point, it's about adjusting the vision. You know, it wasn't meant to be at that time, but uh, I think, you you know, we we believe you have to to praise God in the rain uh, as well as in the sunshine. And and so we were, you know, prepared for the next opportunities that that came because we kept working and kept being focused and and, and allowed, you know, allowed ourselves to make that adjustment. Excellent, excellent. So, listeners, I want you to take away that um, even when you accomplish some of your uh, key milestones, and then you find yourself where timing doesn't line up for you to accomplish others along the way, it's perfectly fine to make some adjustments and still keep going toward your bigger visions. It's still absolutely important and necessary to have uh, to have a vision. So, Justin, from everything I've heard and seen about you, you've been a leader and a go-getter and my my take is someone, and as you described, someone who really cares about people. Yes. You epitomize success and walking in the full expression of your talents and gifts in life. Um, so people who don't know you personally may view you as someone. Although you have shared with us, you know, you had you definitely had challenges growing up, but even since that time. You may be viewed as someone who has not had seasons of great challenge or uh, hardships or disappointment. Um, Would you be willing to share with us a season when you felt particularly challenged? Um, Would you share some of that with us? 
Yes, I'm very happy to, and, and thank you, frankly, so much for, for raising that, because I do think it's essential uh, that, you know, we share not only the triumphs in life, but, but the challenges, because I think, you know, getting, as you know, and, and as you have taught very well, you know, getting through those challenges is what gets us to the triumphs, and it makes us who we are, and so, um, so yeah, I, 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 as soon as I heard the question, I could think of one thing in particular, which has really been a defining uh, period in my life, uh, and actually has a lot to do with, with what I've done and, and who I am today, and and that was actually the, the loss of my, the, the physical loss of, of my grandparents, uh, on my maternal mm-hmm. grandparents in particular, and my uh, paternal grandfather uh, specifically. Uh, and, and I will tell you, because I remember the time frame, it was, I was actually in law school, uh, just getting out of law school. I was at Columbia Law School, as you mentioned, uh, and it had the good fortune to go to this really you know, wonderful institution and, and do very well being on the law review and, and uh, had a lot of opportunities that flowed out of that. Uh, but just mm-hmm. as I was graduating in, in 2005, um, you know, my grandfather, sort of, uh, who had battled successfully prostate cancer, uh, he was in his 80s at this point, um, you know, found mm-hmm. out that you know he was sort of coming back and, and he was going to have to deal with that. So uh, he wasn't really able to participate in, in my graduation ceremony uh, from law school. He had been at you know my other graduations from Duke University and and others, and uh, and, and it was mm-hmm. it was very clear. Actually, we had gotten word at that point that you know, really it's only a matter of time and, you know, it could be months, and, you know, it likely won't even be another year um, that you'll have your grandfather. And so we kind of sort of had to start to say the slow goodbye. Um, and that was something that profoundly, profoundly uh, impacted me uh, because he is someone who was just an incredible role model, uh, you know, raised his own, along with his gorgeous wife, my, my grandmother, raised his own family of four, uh, sent all four of his kids to college and, and did so in an era where it was likely even more improbable. Um, you know, as I mentioned, it was at Howard University uh, in the 1940s. He served in World War II, uh, worked in the post office for nearly 45 years, went to work, as far as I know, every single day. I don't know if he ever had a sick day. And uh, it was a man of faith, very active in his church and his community. Uh, and, and yet I had to see him, you know, we all had to see him go through sort of this final goodbye and this struggle, um, as, as, as many of your <laughs> listeners will know, you know, the, the pain of having to see a family member uh, deal with, you know, cancer, particularly, you know, in an advanced stage and particularly later in their lives. And, and so and so that impacted me uh, in, in really significant ways. Uh, and I will tell you, and I'll share with you, you know, it was right at this, you know, and this often happens, I think, it's one of the highs in your life. You know, you're graduating from mm-hmm. school and, and you're hoping that he's proud of you and, that you finally achieved your goal. It's right at that point sometimes that some of your greatest challenges happen. And uh, yeah. and how you get through that determines whether or not, you know, you've just gotten to the top of one mountain, but I think if you can deal with the, the, the challenges at the top of that mountain, you can get to a much higher mountain. And, and that's really what it was. Uh, and so I, you know, it was tough for our entire, entire family. And he later died. It was less than a year later. Uh, and mm-hmm. uh, again, we got to kind of say the say the slow goodbye to him, but but that affected me. Uh, and and I at that point did a lot of questioning, a lot of searching about you know what was my purpose, you know what was my career going to be about, what was my life going to be about, and mm-hmm. how would I make him proud and fulfill the dreams that you know he had for me and and for for all of us. Uh, and uh, I did a lot of soul searching uh, during that period of time. Mm-hmm. And one thing that I did do in retrospect it was very difficult, but we we sort of came through this. Um, I was all that I would, uh, you know, walk in his light, uh, that I would serve my community, that I would raise my family, that I would dedicate myself to others, um, and that uh, I happened to be one of the pallbearers at his funeral. 
I, I, mm-hmm. I, I resolved at that time that I was going to bury any doubts I had about pursuing that vision as I buried him. Wow. Uh, I was going to bury oh. those with him in honor of him. Uh, and so that's why I have never uh, – people say, you're really courageous. <laughs> you know, you've done all these things and you're 37. Mm-hmm. Well, and really, I, I, my courage and my strength comes from somewhere else. It doesn't come from me. Uh, like I said, I buried mm-hmm. those doubts about, you know, what was possible in life and about how uh, I would serve others when I buried him. And I made that commitment to him. Uh, and so that's what the rest of my life has been about. Uh, and that's why I'm, I care so deeply uh, about pursuing public service and, and, and focusing on what we can do for other people because I've gotten more than my just desserts in life in terms of opportunities and people caring about me. And now it's time to really pay that back. And uh, and then the final word I'll say um, you know, I, I like to say all the time, all of my uh, grandparents on paternal and, and uh, paternal, uh, yes, they all have passed away, but I've never mm-hmm. lost a single one of them. I've never lost them uh, for mm-hmm. even a day because they live inside of me. I think about them all the time, and I try to mm-hmm. guide my life and my vision and, and get my strength from them and everything that they did to sacrifice to put us in this position. So so that was a season of challenge, but I, but I will tell you that the sun has been shining, you know, on our lives since that time, since we made that commitment, and, and we've always been able to get through everything that's happened since then. Ooh, I tell you, I love I love what you said, that you have not lost a single one of them and that you still carry them inside of you. That's a that's powerful cool. nugget. Um, that's a really powerful nugget to our listeners um, because we all come to that kind of challenge at some point in our lives right. where we're going to lose one that we love and yep. and do we uh, kind of allow our lives to be cut short in the grief of the loss or do we right. from what I heard you say you honor them by burying your own doubts or uncertainties of what you're capable yep. of doing and in honor of them really moving forward so thank you for that that, that was a real powerful nugget but thank um, you very much what role would you say faith played in your life um, as you were dealing with that major challenge of losing your grandfather? Yes, uh, faith uh, played and, and has played an essential role, uh, a central role uh, in, in that situation uh, and in many others, uh, because uh, Lynn, as you again, as you know, and, and you know, you, you teach so generously to, to so many others. Uh, you know, there are times in our lives where you, you're you're reminded how small you are, and you're reminded how much you're not in control, uh, and you're reminded that uh, you know there are there are unfortunate you know vagaries in life that we all have to deal with, and and where do you go uh, in, in those moments? Where do you go at those times? And uh, you know, people uh, can provide you strength and comfort, and and, and many people have and will, uh, but there are times, you know, at least in in, in my journey where I felt mm-hmm. that, that the one place that I could go was through my faith. I felt that that was the, that was the place where when all else failed, um, you know, that, that's where I could turn to uh, for, for that comfort, for that strength, for that, for that understanding. Uh, and so, mm-hmm. you know, with, without it, uh, you know, again, in my, in my personal view, I'm not sure, um, you know, how I would have come, come out of those situations, but, um, you know, I, I think that faith to me not only is about comforting, uh, uh, in those times, but it is about action. You know, say faith, faith without works is dead, and and so so I literally try to live out my faith. I don't, um, 
you know, I don't try to, you know, tell people you should believe this, you shouldn't believe that, or you, know, you must go to this church or must go to that synagogue, or you know. But I say, you know, I, I hope that, and I've, I've received this compliment before in my life, not all the time, particularly at public service, that everything mm-hmm. everyone says is complimentary. But, um, but one of the greatest compliments that I've been given uh, in my life is people say, people have asked me, say, you must be a person of faith. Like they won't know me. They'll see me off the street. Say, you must be because I just see the way that uh, you treat people. You know, I see the way you interact with people. I see that you know you treated the 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 gentleman who parked your car and the person who opened the door and who sweeps up and and the you know and the really important CEO and the senator. You treat them all the same and with incredible respect and dignity. And that, you must be a person of faith. And, and I hope that I hope that by living in a certain way that that comes across. Mm-hmm. And I hope that. I hope that we actually mm-hmm. live our faith as opposed to just professing our faith. And and so it's essential for me. Uh, it really animates so much of what I do, and, and I'm reminded every day of how imperfect, <laughs> you know, I am and, and, and how we <laughs> all have to go, you know, and, and sort of, you know, think about and reflect on the, the person that we want to be. And um, often mm-hmm. when I talk to um, – I'm invited to speak uh, to people and uh, particularly to, to um, you know, high schoolers and, and others, even younger but I love to tell them uh, two things, which I think are in line exactly with your great theme about vision. Um, the question that we often ask to younger folks is, what do you want to be when you grow up? Mm-hmm. That's, the, that's the essential question that we've always asked, and it's a good question. I think it allows them to provide a vision for themselves and their lives. But I also mm-hmm. think, to me, the more essential question, and this is one I always pose to the younger folks in particular, is who do you want to be? Uh, and I think yes. that's so important in so many ways for two, at least two reasons. One, um, you can do that right now. I think I tell kids in this split nanosecond that I just asked you that question, you can start to be that person right now. Now, what you want to be may take you some time. If you want to be a lawyer or a doctor or a preacher or, um, you know, auto mechanic, you have to go through certain steps, right? Education, training, that could be years down the road, and you should aspire to that and set that vision. But there is a sense of disconnectedness from the power that you have because you feel like, oh, well, this is 5, 10, 20 years down the road. When you answer the question of who you want to be, that gives you an immediacy in your power uh, so that you can start to be that person right now. So if you want to be more considerate of others, if you want to be more thoughtful, if you want to be more caring, more loving, you can do that right now. And so that gives you that power in the same moment. So I've always tried to think about that question for myself because it empowers you in this second and in this moment, and, and you take control over your life about who you want to be. So um, so I think those are all the sort of essential parts about, about vision. Um, and, and, again, who you want to be, as you stated uh, in your brilliant intro, that's what people are going to remember. They won't remember, you know, the fancy titles and the, the trappings of life that, that we all acquire, but they'll remember, as Maya Angelou says, they won't remember what you said, uh, but they'll remember how you made them feel. And that's what life yeah. is all about. I remember my grandparents. I remember what they did for me. I remember how they made me feel. I can't tell you I can't tell you a single toy that they ever bought for me. I'm sure they bought me tons, but that's not yeah. what I remember. I remember the care that they yeah. took of me. So. Uh, so well said, Justin. You know, I I greatly relate to your uh, idea of living the faith, not just uh, professing it. Yes. And one of my very core values is uh, living an active faith. Yes. Where, absolutely. you know, you imbue and it's what you walk around in. 
not just what you say that you believe. So thank you for how you beautifully described that. Thank you. Um, Thank you for all that you do. You talked about wanting to see uh, every family and child have the opportunity to live the American dream as you have. I I have a, a far better understanding of that as you as you've talked about your life. Right. But would, would you tell us um, about your vision moving forward? What are you motivated yes. to accomplish in the future? Absolutely. Uh, and, and as you mentioned, it, it all really does stem from, from that idea that uh, I believe that every single person, every human being uh, has incredible value uh, and that we all uh, should have access to the exact same American dream um, as anyone else. And, uh, and so that, that sort of plays itself out in, in a number of ways policy-wise. Uh, as you mentioned, I'm, uh, we announced three weeks ago that I'm running for lieutenant governor uh, of Virginia, and uh, we've got an incredible excitement about the campaign. And what it's been built around is this notion of economic security and opportunity uh, for all Virginians. So um, I want to make sure, just like uh, I was able to experience, uh, that everyone who wants one is able to own and keep a home. Uh, you know, I had, a, again, a mother, you know, who was you know, a single mom at the time and had a roof over her head, owned her own home, still does. And that home provided the foundation for, you know, her to be able to send four of her kids to college to keep them safe. Uh, and I want that opportunity for everyone who wants it. Uh, I want affordable uh, higher education and vocational training uh, for every child in Virginia uh, so that college, uh, whether it's community college, four-year college, again, or vocational training for a trade, I want that to be within a financial reach of everyone because those are things that transform people's lives and what's possible. Yeah. Uh, so the fact that someone gave me a scholarship to go to Duke University uh, and gave me a scholarship to go to Columbia Law School, I may not have been able to go without those. Uh, and mm-hmm. the thing that mm-hmm. and I think that our policies, certainly um, in terms of our state budget uh, and also the uh, way that we can galvanize the private sector to support uh, the way that, uh, you know, we fund our colleges and fund our students um, can provide that opportunity to all of our all of our young people. Uh, and so I, I like to say in terms of the scholarship, my wife and I have actually endowed a scholarship at Duke. Uh, and the reason that we did that, uh, because we wanted to focus it on financially challenged students and because we were those students uh, when, we, when my wife also went to Duke University is where we met. And people, you know, we like to say people sat in a room, you know, probably 20 years before I was even born uh, and decided that they were going to be generous and start, you know, scholarships and and giving money uh, so that when we came along 20 years later, they didn't know our name, didn't expect us to come in particular, but they had already Mm -hmm. created that opportunity before we were even there. And it met us at the right time and it changed what's possible for our lives. So we want that to meet, you know, a young kid who's being born today you know, in a hospital in Northern Virginia or Hampton Roads or Richmond or Southwest or Southside or the Valley. Or, um, we want that opportunity to meet that child 18 years from now um, so they too can transform their lives. Um, so we talk about jobs and, and careers. Uh, they are essential to, uh, as foundational tools to build strong families and communities. Uh, retirement mm-hmm. security is so important. Uh, as I mentioned, my, my, my uh, late grandparents, uh, you know, they retired from great union jobs, and, and they got to live, you know, decades longer, you know, with the economic security in their own homes. They could afford to take trips and, you know, enjoy their families and grandkids. So so those things are essential from an economic security and opportunity perspective. Uh, diversity is critically important to me. 
Um, I've led an effort to help diversify the justice system in Virginia. I think that's essential. Uh, equal rights, civil rights, uh, voting rights for everyone. Uh, environmental stewardship uh, around climate change uh, is also essential. Mm-hmm. And then, of course, you know, criminal justice reform, uh, breaking the uh, you know pipeline to prison that we see often in our schools, uh, making sure more of our young people are not you know, caught up in the system at very young ages, uh, that they have brighter mm-hmm. futures. Because again, that could have been me uh, growing up in inner city DC. Mm-hmm. Could have uh, easily gone the wrong way. And uh, mm-hmm. safe communities and making sure we all have health care. So, so I know I, I, that's a, a long list of things, but that's the way to me um, you know, that vision plays out in policy on the ground. Uh, and I think at the end of the day, what, it, what it's focused in on is making sure that everyone uh, has opportunity, everyone can live the American dream, and, and everyone can live up to their God given potential. Because, again, uh, if it weren't for people believing in that, for me and fighting for that uh, for me, um, I would not be where I am, so I feel um, you know compelled, obligated, and inspired to fight for that for other people. Wow, listeners, I hope you're taking all of that in um, from my guest that you know he is committed to. I, I see this as kind of a real 360, you know, in terms of right. the opportunity for every child and every family is built around all these tenets of a 360-degree life. Um, Absolutely. Absolutely. And kind of the the ultimate vision for for people in the Commonwealth of Virginia. So it's impressive, and I I, uh, commend you for not looking only at um, the value of the economic security, but looking at all of the other key facets that have to be taken into consideration. Thank you. So thank you very much. I want to ask you um, if there is, (laughs) just like the access of guests, um, is there any one secret or or a tool that helps you to stay focused and to move toward the vision that you've created for your life? What is an insider secret that you could share with me in the audience today? <laughs> <laughs> no, absolutely. It's a great question. Uh, you know, I, I, I don't know if there's one uh, secret that, that I have uh, that sort of uh, helps me, keeps me focused on the vision, but, but I will say um, that, you know, I – I will say actually one thing that I think is, is interesting. Um, I do this in politics, and, and some people look at me and they say, why, why are you doing that? But every time before I, before I give a speech or before I talk, um, I actually take a, fair, I take a deep breath uh, before I go on stage or, or do anything else. And people, this is a little bit of a secret I'm sharing with you. So, and there are some people who see me behind the scenes and say, why do you do that? You know, is that to calm yourself down? Is that to, but I, the reason I actually do it uh, is because, I take that moment, I literally, in my view, I am uh, inhaling the inspiration of my, of my grandparents. Um, so I, I want to be centered around them uh, as I go out and speak about uh, whatever it is I'm going to speak about. Because I know that if I'm thinking about them, if I am, uh, you know, sort of projecting uh, what I know they, you know, wanted for me, uh, that I will be operating in the right spirit. Uh, and I will be focused on the right things. And, and one thing that I've, you know, really prided myself on, uh, even, you know, being involved in politics and public life is that, um, you know, we achieved that, you know, nearly 49% of the vote statewide in the Washington Post endorsement without ever being negative against anyone. 
Um, I've never mm-hmm. talked to anybody. I've never have said a negative word against anybody else. And, and that's important for me because it's really, in my view, it's not about that. You know, mm-hmm. my grandparents and their parents and, and all of our grandparents did not sacrifice so that we could, you know, tear other people down. Um, they, mm-hmm. they sacrificed so that we could build ourselves and other people up. And so, uh, so that is one little secret is that I, I do, I do take a deep breath to be centered around the values, um, and the, the message that I, I would think they would want me to deliver, um, it hopes also that they would be proud of me, uh, for what I'm doing. So, um, I think just staying focused on, you know, what motivates you, how we got here, um, who sacrificed for you, and then sort of judging, you know, your, your, your actions and your thoughts against, against that, um, I think will keep you on the right path. Oh, that, that, uh, touches me deeply, uh, to inhale the inspiration of your grandparents. Wow. <laughs> Thank you, yes. And uh, I guess Thank people look to be very funny. <laughs> First, yeah, absolutely. No, I, I get it, and that is that is a beautiful tribute to them, um, just to inhale their inspiration. What a meaningful and inspiring conversation. Wow. That's <laughs> been great. I thank you for being so open and transparent with us today. Um, for for our listeners, I know they have uh, who may not have known you. I know they have a great sense of you as a person, as a professional. Your um, your values. So, to our listeners, it's time for you to join our conversation. We want to connect with you and hear your thoughts on anything you've heard in today's broadcast. So call us right now with your comments or questions. To join us, uh, call us at 1-646-716-9397. That's 1-646-716-9397. I'm going to keep asking you some questions while we wait for callers, if that's okay, Justin. Oh, of course. No, it's my pleasure. <laughs> um, I'd love to hear, what's one fun experience that you want to experience in the future? Um, something fun that's in your vision or on your bucket list? <laughs> Absolutely. Well, <laughs> Uh, you know, I'll tell you, I, I, uh, I will, uh, our, our family, my wife and I have really gotten into uh, traveling with our two young ones. As you mentioned, uh, our oldest and our son, Cameron, uh, who is six years old, uh, will be seven in December. And our daughter, Karis, who actually just turned uh, five uh, this past week, and uh, we had a princess party in our house uh, <laughs> on Sunday, and it was a lot of fun. Uh, <laughs> so we have, uh, you know, we have been, been fortunate to be able to take them on, on some trips abroad, uh, you know, to Europe and some other places, uh, you know, Puerto Rico, and we have some more trips that, that we're planning, but those are some really special experiences. Um, first, to be able to, you know, expose them to the broader world, um, you know, particularly at a, at a young age, and to, uh, you know, for them to be able to see that, you know, there are really wonderful people all around the world, um, and that we, you know, as people have so much more in common um, that we have that divides us, and so uh, you know, that's just been a special treat. And then just, you know, enjoying that time and seeing the world and the diversity, you know, God's creation is just, it, it really blows your mind. Um, and, and it kind of keeps you focused on, again, I think the larger picture. Uh, so I think traveling, 
Uh, we have some, a few more select spots that we uh, would, would love to go to together, and uh, and I really enjoy. I also should say I, I uh, on a very much more local level, I, I coached my uh, kids in basketball <laughs> this past season. Uh, so I coached their team. Uh, I've not asked them how I did because I don't want to. <laughs> I don't want to hear the brutal truth. But, uh, <laughs> but it was it was it was fun for me. So hopefully, you know, get God willing, um, you know, get to continue on to be a part of you know, all the things that they do, the activities that they're involved in sports-wise and uh, academically. Uh, it just brings me a lot of joy to, to see them grow and develop. So that, that's where I get a lot of my fun is <laughs> seeing, you know, my family and then, of course, celebrating, you know, my friends and, and so many other wonderful people who are in our lives. Fantastic. Well, you know, um, I, I love hearing that you are a part of your vision is continuing to have fun. Well, fun is a part of it, not <laughs> yes. all work. Um, yes. How do you ensure that you fuel and move forward in all of the key areas of your life, and not just your career? How do you manage that? Yes, uh, it's a great question, um, and I, I think that life, you know, as with everything, um, and again, as you mentioned, is is all about balance. Uh, and I think that you have to have that balance and really uh, across the different parts of your life and then within each, you know, uh, compartment of your life. So uh, I believe that, you know, it cannot be all about work, um, even though we do, you know, work incredibly hard. We, you know, work a lot of hours, spend a lot of time, you know, in the office, on the road, uh, on the phone, but I try to carve out that time just for family. Um, and I don't know, I'm not always successful at it, uh, you know, and, but – but I try to, you know, when I can, tuck my kids in at night and uh, and not be away for too long at any given period of time and, you know, do special things for, for my wife, who's really phenomenal. And uh, and so I think having that balance, I think at work, um, obviously it's a great balance. I love what I do. I love being being a lawyer. Um, and so, but again, I think that you can, and in politics as well, you know, really enjoy uh, being out there. It really is about public service and uh, enjoy meeting people and, and sort of having policy discussions and, and fighting for, for great causes. Um, but I think you do have to step back um, fairly often and, and just reassess and make sure that you're staying in balance. So uh, I think, you know, mm-hmm. physical activity, exercise is critically important. It, it's not just about your body, but it really is about your mind and your spirit. Um, so I think, you know, I'm taking opportunities to to, uh, you know, be out in nature, to walk, to run, to whatever it is people like to do the bike, uh, you know, is is really wonderful and it keeps you kind of centered. Um, and really, mm-hmm. frankly, also being being grateful, um, and, and and really living a life that's filled with gratitude, I think, is so important because we can focus on the things that we don't have and the things that we want. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think if we took you know just a minute or two to think about all the things that we do have, uh, and mm-hmm. I, you really, I think, be overwhelmed. And 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 looking back and you know to say you know, look how far we've come and look how many things, you know, as many things that we've gone through, look how many things we've been brought through and look how many things, you know, uh, we've been able to survive and, and thrive through. So uh, really being grateful, I think, helps to keep you centered. And, you know, and I, as as, as many people will say, I don't take myself too seriously. I, <laughs> I do I do believe that. Uh, I do believe you have to laugh a lot and, and I'm pretty loud <laughs> when I laugh, so my wife often tells me to use my inside voice when I laugh. But uh, but I do think, like as you mentioned, having fun, really, you know, enjoying life um, because it truly is a gift and, you know, it truly is something that, you know, I believe we all should be grateful for. And um, I certainly am grateful for it, and I'm grateful for the people who have cho- 
chosen to, you know, walk with me on my journey and who allowed me to walk with them on theirs. And, um, you know, I think all those things are critically important. Awesome. Let me give the number out again. If anyone has any calls or comments, questions for our guest uh, today, give us a call at one six four six seven one six nine three nine seven. The guest line is open, and we'd love to take your calls. I, um, you know, I just want to comment that I love that you added having a grateful state of mind. Um, it doesn't take long to just kind of um, be in a space or take a, a, a pause, to be in a space of all of the things that we have to be grateful for. Just the waking up each day is something to be grateful for. So I really appreciate your sharing that. <laughs> Absolutely. I, I completely agree. I'm just, I have to confess, I'm just at this season of life tuning in to uh, the value of exercise. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. You, you and me both. <laughs> That's a wonderful thing. <laughs> I've had to, uh, it has taken quite a while for us to become friends, but we are, uh, exercise and me are becoming friends. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. I love it. I love it. And you will stay friends. It'll, it'll be a very, very good thing. That's great. And I, so I know you've, uh, you know, realized, uh, you know, the great benefits of it. And, again, I think it's, for me, it's been as much about, and I, I should say, I am by no means, uh, <laughs> you know, uh, sort of one who has always been, you know, gung-ho about it. But I have certainly gotten into it and tried to make it, make it part of my routine and, you know, incorporate the kids in it when I can, we'll go for walks around the neighborhood and that sort of thing. But um, it just gives you opportunities to reflect, uh, I think, to get centered, um, to obviously take, you know, take good care of your health and, and yourself. But, um, you know, again, it, it really is also just about, it's part of the enjoyment of life, I think. And so, um, you know, it's, there are many sort of aspects of life that give us joy and pleasure, and I think that that's certainly one of them. Mm-hmm. Well, I think uh, I will say, I will confess that um, I did not enjoy exercise, but uh, I have I have come to recognize I want to age well, so yes. now it's <laughs> gone to well, where you are. Well, you're doing a great job of that. So. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you. Tell me, Justin, um, what is one lesson, a life lesson, that you've learned? Well, you've shared some already over the course of the interview today, but yes. what is one um, life lesson that you would share that you think might be helpful to listeners? Yes. Um, and you're right. You know, we talked about a few different things. Uh, you know, I, I think uh, one thing, actually, I, I, had, uh, I had the honor. I, I went to uh, DeMatha Catholic High School. You know, I, I lived in D.C., but I uh, went to DeMatha, which is right outside of D.C. in Hinesville, Maryland. Uh, and mm-hmm. I, I you know, love the school, love the spirit uh, of it. It's a great academic institution, but also you know, great athletics, but really has this incredible uh, center around integrity and character and faith. Uh, and so I'm very connected to, to the institution. Um, I was mm-hmm. I was honored. In, in 2012, they invited me to, to come back and give the commencement speech uh, at DeMatha. And I was actually at the uh, National Shrine um, uh, in, in northeast Washington, D.C., uh, and it was really a powerful and moving experience for me. But one of the things that I talked about 
in that speech, kind of one of the central themes was, was this idea of spiritual wealth uh, and how we have all inherited spiritual wealth uh, in our lives and how that comes in the form, again, not of money or material things, but really in terms of, you know, the values and the character and the sacrifice and the lessons and the love that people pass down to you. Um, and so we literally are all wealthy. Um, and, and that that idea that you know you know despite the, the issues around actual you know financial and economic poverty and challenges and the things that I really care about and we all care about and want to fight for, um, I think if we get in our minds that we're actually all wealthy uh, because people have passed down the spiritual wealth to us throughout the generations, um, that changes your outlook on life. Um, so I never felt like even though we struggled and, and, and had some challenges, I never felt poor. Uh, because I knew that what my you know the values that I'd been given you know from my grandparents parents hard work treat people well um, you know work hard uh, but be focused on your community um, you know deal with setbacks are not the end of the world uh, failure you know can be your friend just like exercise is <laughs> your friend and, you know if, if you make it that way some people run from failure but you know failure can actually be your friend because it gives you an opportunity to sit back and, and reassess and. And, and think and, you know, and hopefully get stronger and get better. Um, and so that idea of spiritual wealth, uh, the fact that we're all wealthy, if we really reflect on the things that people have done for us and what they've given to us, I think it makes uh, everything else easy. Uh, I think we can, you, you then believe and understand that you can achieve anything in life, no matter where you started. Um, and no one would have, you know, predicted that, you know, a young five, six-year-old kid, you know, growing up on streets where there were, you know, crack vials, and unfortunately, I you know, lost friends to gun violence, and, you know, Pat, who died, and, um, you know, went to jail, and, and it had all kinds of challenges. Um, you know, no one would have predicted that, you know, we'd be in a position now where, you know, we may be the next lieutenant governor of Virginia. Um, but that is because of the spiritual wealth that other people have passed to me, and and that's the same spiritual wealth that I, you know, owe to people. Um, I don't, I don't, you know, it's not just a favor. I owe it to them because people, you know, gave it to me when I, you know, when I didn't even earn it. Uh, it's a grace mm-hmm. given and not earned. And I, I've had people, you know, give me so much grace. I mean, they've taken care of me when, you know, they didn't have to, uh, and they sacrificed when it wasn't when it wasn't easy. Uh, and some people say, well, why are you running for a statewide office when, uh, you know, you have, a, you have your wife and your dental practice that you guys own and, and your kids are very young, they're still growing up and you have your law practice. I mean, this is a very busy, challenging, difficult time. Why would you pick now mm-hmm. to run for office? And and I say a couple of things. One is that, uh, you know, people sacrificed for me when it wasn't the right time for them. Mm-hmm. You know, my, you know, people who, you know, worked and when I needed things, whether it was your school clothes or, uh, you, know, I, you know, opportunity to go to college or whatever it was, it wasn't the perfect time for them. They weren't flush with cash. They didn't have unlimited amounts of time. They didn't, you know, have zero other obligations in their lives. So they did it anyway. And so mm-hmm. I really try to take that lesson and, and, and incorporate that into my life. And, and that's, there's no perfect time. Uh, and the other thing is some people will say, well, when you do think so early in your life, you know, you're young and you got plenty of time and why don't you just sort of wait? Uh, you know, it's arrogant to be doing all these things when you're so young. You know, why, why don't you just wait your turn? And what I like to say, what I truly believe is that it's arrogant to wait. Because <laughs> it's arrogant to wait because we don't know what God has in store for us. Um, you know, tomorrow is not promised to anyone. So it's arrogant to say, oh, I know exactly how much time I have in life. Uh, and I know exactly what the plan is going to be. So I'll just take my time. 
you know, do it whenever I feel comfortable. No, it's arrogant to wait. I think if we have the tools, if we have the background, the training, and the passion, you do it now. If you can help somebody, you do it right now. Um, because, you know, we don't know what else is in store, and you want to do it while we know we have the opportunity to do it. So, um, so those are some of the lessons that really got me. Wow. I just want to give that an applause. That is so good. <laughs> it's arrogant right. to wait. Yeah, like like tomorrow is promised. Right. But it isn't. Like we're in control. We're not in control. And uh, actually every day, it's interesting, I, I get on my phone, you know, these updates and alerts. The thing that actually comes on my phone, the first uh, it, first thing in the morning every day is actually the obituaries from a a, a large publication uh, in based in Virginia, and I love I love mm-hmm. I love reading them uh, because I you know the richness and fullness of people's lives, and you see the things that they've accomplished, the things they were passionate about, the the people that they touched, so they get just really moving and beautiful and get you centered and in the right place. But it's also a great reminder uh, again mm-hmm. that it's there to wait because uh, we don't know, and so uh, you know so, uh, you know a saying while there's time, do good, uh, do it now. You know, if you love mm-hmm. someone, call them and tell them now. Uh, if you, Absolutely. you know, can, can help out, do it now. Um, because we don't know, and who knows who lo- whose life you can change by doing that. I'm with you 100% on that, 100%. We've got a caller on the line. Let me connect our caller. Caller at 703-887-PREFIX. Uh, press 1 in your live with us. Hello, good afternoon. Good afternoon. Good afternoon. Hi, I'm really, really enjoying the, the conversation this afternoon. And uh, uh, Ms. Fairfax, this is, is really a pleasure to, to listen to, to the, the great things you're espousing. And one of the things I wanted to ask you about, and, and I think you, you began to, to hit on them as, as I was listening to the conversation for the last four or five minutes. Right. And that, that centered around what, what do you see that across the Commonwealth of Virginia – Mm-hmm. That that we can do to um, to better you know make a difference for for our young people for, for their future. You, you talked about uh, uh, you know uh, the spiritual wealth um, right. ideas. You talked about uh, how arrogant it is to to wait to try to make a difference. So <laughs> right. Are there are there right. other things that that you would expose or say to folks uh, across the Commonwealth here that uh, that would help to make a difference for our young people? You know for their futures. Absolutely. And, and first of all, thank you so much for taking the time to, to listen and to call in. I really appreciate that. Sure, um, and sure. it's, it, and it's, it's a great question. Uh, I think, you know, those obviously are some of the things uh, that we chatted about in terms of focusing on our kids' future. There are some policy dimensions to this. One of the things, again, that I'm very passionate about, and, you know, Congressman Bobby Scott, who I, uh, is a wonderful man, a great public servant. I just saw him last night. Mm-hmm. Uh, he has been mm-hmm. a champion around, again, breaking this school-to-prison pipeline. Uh, that mm-hmm, we see mm-hmm. in many parts of the Commonwealth where young people, Virginia actually led the nation uh, in referrals to law enforcement for young people. So, mm-hmm. you know, there would be disciplinary issues in the schools, uh, and, you know, we were number one of all the states in terms of having those disciplinary issues handled, you know, by police officers and then judges and wow. then court systems. And that really is wow. a huge problem. And in a place like Virginia where mm-hmm. we have, you know, so much abundance, uh, you know, so many really wonderful people and, and, and so much sort of, you know, generally speaking, wealth, uh, spiritual and otherwise, mm-hmm. we should not be leading the country uh, in that. We should be addressing that issue, breaking that school-to-prison pipeline, and that's something I'm very passionate about. As I mentioned, mm-hmm. I was a uh, federal prosecutor, uh, so I, I'm someone who believes strongly in safe communities and holding people accountable when they harm others. 
uh, and protecting our families, but at the same time, you know, three, four, and five-year-olds should not be viewed as criminals. Uh, and mm-hmm. I think that I think that we can change not only that reality but that mindset. So I think we've got to start changing the way that we address uh, policy-wise and otherwise our children, um, treating mm-hmm. them, you know, as the incredible resources that they are, uh, understanding holistically the challenges that they face. Um, you know, many of the challenges that we see played out in school didn't start in school. Um, you know, a hungry child is not one who is going to perform typically uh, very well uh, because of other challenges. One who's faced, you know, economic uncertainty at home, maybe has to move a lot, maybe is foreclosed on, uh, maybe has parents who, you know, are struggling in the economy. Uh, so yes. you've got to look at the wraparound, you know, services that we can provide, but also set really uh, a standard for every child. To me, there are there's no tiering of children, there's no tracking of children, uh, right. no classes of children. Uh, every right. single child should be treated as the gold standard, and, and, and we should want everything for every single child. And so that's the way I view it. I believe that needs to permeate our policy. Um, I know that Dorothy McCullough, the first lady who's really wonderful, has taken on this challenge of making sure that uh, no kid goes hungry, uh, that we feed all of our children, uh, not mm-hmm. only in school mm-hmm. but after school. And, again, that's a, a huge issue and a great foundational um, policy point. And I think we can build on things like that. Uh, Ralph Northam, our excellent lieutenant governor, uh, is focused on, uh, you know, children's mental health um, and making sure mental wellness, making sure that we tackle mm-hmm. that. Mm-hmm. 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 All right. Well, thank you very much. Thank you. I really appreciate it. Goodbye. Thank you so much, caller. It looks like our guest may have gotten cut off. I'm sure he will call back. Um, And while we're waiting for our guest to pipe back in, I'm going to just give out the number again also for callers. Okay. I'm back. Okay, we got you back. My apologies. I'm on my cell phone, so I'm sorry I cut off, but I wanted to call right back. So I'm, and, and, and I hope that answer, answered, uh, you know, the question. And, and th- it's really a, a really fundamentally important question, and I appreciate you so much for, for asking it. And and, uh, and and that really, again, is what I'm passionate about because not only is it great policy, not only should all of our children have this, but uh, it's also really the story of my life. Um, it literally mm-hmm. is what people provided to me to be able to be in the position where I am. And so um, that's the thing that I'll fight for um, every single day. Absolutely. Greatly appreciated, and thank, and thanks to our caller. Um, I'm going to just give out the number again in case, uh, from experience, sometimes our callers have called in right at the very end of the show. Um, the guest call-in number is one six four six seven one six nine three nine seven. 716 9397 We'd love to hear from you. Um, Justin, uh, one of the other questions that I want to ask um, is, and, and I'm already imagining what you're going to say, but <laughs> what are you enjoying <laughs> most about this season of your life? <laughs> I think this goes yes. everything in. <laughs> <laughs> you're very kind. I, well, you know, I, I think you're right, actually. And I'll try to maybe <laughs> maybe pick out a couple of things, but um, and I already mentioned, uh, you know, I'm sorry for talking about my kids so much, but I, they just they do bring us, you know, so much joy. And and uh, being a father um, and a husband uh, has just been, you know, a wonderful, wonderful thing, uh, you know, that I've grown into and that I'm still learning. Uh, 
you know, but I hope that, you know, I hope that I'm doing the, the things that I need to do to, to give them a comfortable life um, and to give them a life of, you know, values and understanding the benefits of um, looking out for others um, and living your life in service to others. So uh, that's been a wonderful thing. I mentioned travel. It's really wonderful getting to see other people and, you know, nations and communities and cultures. I mean, I think it's essential, uh, particularly in, a, in an era where unfortunately we're seeing, you know, in the, at the presidential level, uh, you know, a lot of rhetoric around, uh, you know, sort of exclusion and berating and really things that have taken us much lower uh, than I think we've ever been. Um, I, I like to look at far more hopeful and optimistic and positive visions of what our country and our world can look like. And so uh, you really get that, um, you know, there's almost no better education uh, than traveling around and, and really getting to meet people and, and seeing just how much they love their families and how much they care about their communities and uh, and their cultures. Uh, and so that part is yeah. wonderful. And then, and then really selfishly, I've got to meet just incredible people. And, uh, Linda, I'll, I'll put you uh, very high up on that list. And that's, I mean, this is the fun part uh-huh. about this journey is that, you know, uh, you get to meet just extraordinary people who um, are in amazing seasons of their own lives, um, and they are willing, uh, like you, to, to share that experience with me. So that's just a wonderful, wonderful thing. Uh, well, I, I definitely see that uh, you are not going to have any regrets when uh, you <laughs> go through different seasons in your life. You will uh, embrace each one, and that is that's a life well lived. And uh, as I said to the guest earlier, we need vision in every season, no matter what you are going through now, what you just finished, or what milestone you've achieved. Vision in every season. Absolutely. Um, Absolutely. So the the last thing I'll ask you um, pertaining to the interview is, although you've, you've shared so much that answers this, but if you could kind of just give us a, um, a a little synopsis of ultimately what story do you want your life to tell? Yes, that's a that's a profound and a, and a great question. Um, and I I hope that my life tells a lot of different stories because mm-hmm. I think uh, if if I've done it. Uh, correctly in the way that I that I hope to do it. I hope that that my life has been expressed in the lives of so many other people, uh, because I feel like my, my own life is an expression of so many other people um, and what they've done for me. And so um, I, I hope that that story is told in a, in a young person who, again, right now may be facing a challenging time in their lives. Uh, you know, maybe living you know in some part of Hampton Roads. Uh, who doesn't sort of see a brighter future for themselves. And I hope that when, you know, I get to meet them or we implement a policy that focuses in on making college more affordable or uh, giving them access to a STEM program or uh, something that changes that trajectory of their life, uh, I hope that my life is then later expressed, whether I ever meet that child or not, uh, is expressed mm-hmm. in the success that they then have in their lives and in the people that they touch. Um, and, I, and I hope that that plays out, you know, again and again and again over time because, again, I'm, I'm the beneficiary of that, um, of people who, you know, who I've, in many cases, I've never, ever met, but have had a profound mm-hmm. impact on my life. Uh, the scholarships that I got to college were named after uh, wonderful people who I've never met. 
and in one case, he passed away. Uh, there was a memorial scholarship, and uh, but yet that person allowed me to be who I am and to achieve what I've achieved. So, so yeah. their life never their life never ended because we I carry that forward, and so many others carry that forward. And so that's what I'm that's what I'm hopeful of. I think it is a an analog to the way I feel about again my my grandparents, the ancestors, and we all do. I'm sure it's not just me, um, but I, they they live all. They absolutely live on in every single way through what we do. Uh, and I tell people, I know this, I grew up with this vernacular, and unfortunately we all experience, you know, different losses in our lives. Um, mm-hmm. But we do grow up with a vernacular of, of saying, you know, we lost someone. Oh, we lost this person. Mm-hmm. Or I lost this person. And, again, my view is you can't lose something that you are able to find. And and mm-hmm. you can find your grandparents, and you can find your parents, and you can find your friends uh, in your own life, if you can find them in situations that you find yourself in, and you say, I know exactly what they say to me. <laughs> I know exactly what they would do. I know exactly what they tell me to do. That means you failed. So you can't lose somebody that you can find. And so I think holding tight to, to all of those people, um, you know, and, and understanding that they are very much alive uh, through you and in you, uh, and making sure that, that their lives continue to touch other people through your own life, um, that I can't think of a better assignment. Um, and money has never motivated me. Um, I've, I've never been one who, you know, again, economic security is important because I think it provides a foundation, but it really provides a foundation to then go do the things we were meant to do in our lives. Um, and mm-hmm. so it's never been about getting rich, uh, you know, financially. It's been about letting people live rich lives because that's what I've gotten to do um, because people care. So, uh, that's I hope that encapsulates it somewhat, but uh, but that's certainly you know my passion. Uh, I'm so grateful, um, you know, to you uh, and to so many other people who have added to my own life and enriched it. And, and uh, I promise you, we will uh, continue to go out there and work hard to make sure that more people benefit from it. Wow, this this has been just such an inspiring time, Justin. I cannot thank, thank you, you enough for being like that. What you shared will be helpful to many who are listening live, but also those who will listen later. And, you know, the the broadcast is available for replay anytime in the future. So I am I am especially grateful that um all that you shared today has been captured and will be available for others to help them to create a vision for their lives and to make inspired choices in their own lives. So I can't I can't say anything but um Godspeed and just abundant, abundant blessings to you as you go forward doing the things that you call to do. Um do you have any shout outs before we close, Justin? Any shout outs? Oh, any shout out. Uh you know, I again well first of all again I, I do wanna uh I do wanna close by thanking you, Linda. You uh, have just been such a wonderful uh person to me, uh and you have reached out and, and really it, it is clear uh, why you are uh, so loved and, and so influential. Um, I appreciate everything that you do uh for so many other people. So thank you for allowing us to, to be on the show and 
Um, I, I could not uh, leave without shouting out my mom, since you maybe uh, <laughs> maybe shout out uh, Charlene Fairfax, who is just a, a superhuman woman, and uh, my dad Roger Fairfax Sr. and got my siblings Roger, Chris, Virginia, uh, phenomenal people. My beautiful wife Dr. Serena Fairfax, and uh, my in-laws Conchita Wanzer, Sydney Clark, and uh, Kevin Pope and and so we just and my uh, you know my other in law so I, I the list could go on and on as you can see but I, I we're just so blessed that we have so many people who um, you know care deeply about us who you know have loved us you know from day one and and have never let us uh, you know ever think anything but the most positive uh, views and visions of ourselves uh, even when we may not have you know felt that for ourselves and so they get all the credit. Um, and so it, we do this work in, in their honor. I say we walk in their light, and uh, we want to provide that light, shine that light for so many other people so they can see their way through uh, as well. I think that's why we're here. We're all here on this earth temporarily, uh, at least in physical form, and, and I think we got to make the most of it. So uh, I won't be arrogant, yeah. and I won't wait. Uh, <laughs> I promise you. <laughs> I love that. I love that. Well, again, my my greatest heartfelt thanks to you, and um, we'll be in touch. (laughs) I I look forward to it. God bless you, Linda. Thank you for everything. Thank you. Um, Before I close, ladies out there, just a quick reminder. If you or someone you know is struggling with major change or life challenges and you can't seem to get the results that you want on your own, Consider Christian coaching. With my help, you will gain clarity and confidence and experience renewal in your life. Go to my website, lindastevensjones.com, to get more information, and you can schedule a free discovery session with me. I want to give a shout-out to Justin Fairfax, first of all, and for all that he poured into every listener today. And I also want to give a shout-out to every one of you out there who is creating a new, bigger vision for your life. Don't scale it back, even when others don't understand it. Affirm and nurture what you want in your life and who you want to be every single day. And now, audience, remember, go over and like the Making Inspired Choices Facebook page and join the after-show discussion by posting your feedback and your favorite uh, comments. Thank you so much for joining today's show. Thanks to our caller. And please mark your calendar for our next broadcast on June 14th. That's three weeks from now, since we only broadcast on the second and fourth Tuesday. That next show will be June 14th, the second Tuesday in June at 12 noon Eastern, when we'll do a special emphasis on fatherhood. Thank you again so much for being a part of this community, everyone. And until next time, make inspired choices and stay blessed.